Welcome to We'll See You in Hell, the podcast you go to when you need information about horror, sci-fi, or fantasy films, and let's be honest, sometimes action, and once in a while, a comedy holiday, a comedy holiday flick, like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which we did recently, and today might end up being about love, actually. It also might end up being about the movie Cam, which is the new Blumhouse film on Netflix, but... We're just going to have to see how it plays out, people. If we don't get the cam today, we'll get to it next time, we promise. I'll tell you what it's going to be about right up front, and I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> I blocked some piece of horse shit today on the Facebook page. <laughs> some big old chunk of horse shit. I'll now, say his up. name. No, that's no, like giving a school shooter credit. Well, no, but but I really like sinking to the level of calling out a specific because this guy really about two months ago i send joe a thing and it's like somebody put a picture of me and joe up at the uh the live show looking yeah. great really having a nice time enjoying show's company yes he's like oh i wish i'd never seen this they're ugly blah 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 you get you gotta come on our our show's page to call us ugly then uh, today he's like the last episode sucked boring blah 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 you know what you're out of the group and I hope you never get to listen to the show again, you piece of shit. That's right, Mr. Giles or Giles Evans. Sorry, let, let's get you your money back. Oh, wait. It's a free fucking show. Giles? Is it Giles or Giles? I would assume Giles. What a miserable prick. Yeah. Oh, they I, they were high last episode. I didn't like... We weren't high. We weren't fucking high. We were tired because we were goddamn talking for two hours. But if, if it's Clue you're talking about, a lot of people fucking love the last couple episodes. I thought me and Joe did a great job. I know everybody loves the live episodes, so maybe if you cough up a little money, you could hear us on Patreon. But if you want to sit and bitch about a free show... Giles or Giles? Shove off, bitch. Giles slash Giles Evans, I will say to you... Well, this is the thing. Everybody, let, let, let me say Everybody this. saw us do it with, with the other guy who did this, and then I think this guy's like, maybe I, they'll shout out my name, too, no, give me my he attention. Was, he was shitty before we did that. So, guys and gals, listen to me. Please, don't say mean shit just so we do this, because we, we're, we, we, like, we can't take the time to try to differentiate between who's doing it ironically and who's not. That's not ironic. This guy was not being ironic. And I, I want to be this. off Facebook, and I'm just like, I'll stay because I like reading about the show. I get on this morning after a real rough week, and I'm like, really? And I know 99% of it is as positive as can be, and I know we only talk about the negative people, but that's who we are. I'm going to mention a positive in a minute, but right. I want to—I really want to say this, and you've, you've, you've cut me off twice now. Giles. And here's the other thing. No, Evans. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. In the words of the great Delta Reese. Della Reese? Della Reese, excuse yeah. me. Del, I got mixed up with Delta Burke for Delta a second. Della Reese is who I'm talking about. Kiss my entire ass. Yeah. Which is what she says in Harlem Nights, and it's a great line. It's a big ass, too. Fuck this fucking guy. What a fucking asshole. Uh, I wish I hadn't seen them. They're ugly. Yeah. Wh what are you, some fucking uh, uh, showgirl? No. Who I've the fuck him. are you? Are you a stud? Get the fuck out of my face. Oh, they're ugly. They're ugly, so I can't listen to them. Then don't listen to us, you dipshit. Uh, they sound high. I'm worried about Joe. Pat's got a woman to reel him in. He actually wrote that. Pat's wife will reel him in, but I worry about Joe. D don't worry about me. And let when me just I die, say, you're not invited. Let me just say for the record, my wife is not interested in my shit. She's not. In fact, she's used the exact phrase, fuck him, to me. Fuck him, she'll Many say. Many times, I'll be at their house for dinner. Pat will go to the bathroom. She'll lean in. She'll go, fuck him, Joe. That's right. And honestly, I don't disagree. Now, Folks. On, a, on a positive note, real quick, on a positive note, I need to thank, and this is very positive, Mr. Right. Edmund Dillon. Sir, thank you. Why? I'll tell you why, people. I get uh, uh, an email from our, our dear 
uh, friend and and uh, uh, I, w- I would call her, what would you call Emily our our uh, squad leader almost you know guru yes uh, she sends me an email she says hey uh, this guy Ed- Edmund uh, is it Edmund Agaba it well Edmund Dillon is the name I have okay because I believe Edmund Agaba was the lovely gentleman who said he donates twice to the Patreon he was dressed like Wayne his lovely girlfriend was there dressed as Garth I do believe so and uh, thank you Edmund hello. A lot of Edmonds on the show, which I didn't expect. Edmund, have you ever seen that movie? I have. Woo! I have. Rough stuff. It is. Saw that in a theater, in a crowded theater in New York, looking over my shoulder like I was with a guy <laughs> telling racist jokes at a party. It you, is. You kind of were. It is were. a rough. It is a rough movie, man. Like yeah. there is a lot of uh, inflammatory language, if there you will, is. in that film. Anyway, Edmund. Uh, I get an email from Emily Simpson the other night. She says, this guy Edmund sent you a video. I want to make sure you got it. I hadn't gotten it, so thank you, Emily, for getting it to me. I play, I hit play on this thing. It's a handsome gentleman on the on the Cameo service, which is the service where you can pay celebrities to send videos to your friends or whatever. Yeah. I'm looking, I go, God damn it, I think that's Zach Galligan from Gremlins, who I've talked at length about sure. on this podcast. In fact, it was... And it was him giving us this message of, like, don't be down about the guests that have said no. The third time's a charm. Maybe the third guest will say yes, which I think was, like, a cheeky way of him saying, hey, maybe ask me. I think. I don't know. Uh, But in any case, it was a video from Zach Galligan, who I'm a huge fan of, not just from Gremlins, but quite frankly, more importantly, from Waxwork, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. But much more importantly from Gremlins. Well, for me, it's Waxwork. Come on, I love. Listen, I'm not saying Gremlins is worse than Wax. I'm just saying, like, as a horror fan, Waxwork is one of the unsung classics to me. Julian Sands. Who the hell is Julian? Is he in Waxwork? I don't know who that is. He's in uh, Boxing Helena. You know who's in Waxwork? The guy that plays the bad boy in in the first season of Twin Peaks that dates Laura Palmer. Afraid? I ain't afraid of no funeral. Yeah, he's in it. He's great in it. Okay, it's a lot of fun that movie. I've never seen Waxwork. The bad guy from uh uh from uh the you know like the king demon guy from Time Bandits. Okay. Is the guy that runs the wax wax you've never seen Waxwork? Never seen Dude, it. Dude, it's awesome. And uh it's awesome. Julian Sands is not in it. I don't know what I don't I was, know thinking. I was thinking of Warlock. Here. Yeah, no. This is much better than Warlock. All right. Anyway, thank you. Edmund Dillon, and thank you, Zach Galligan, for the video. It was really sweet. Yeah, it gave us a nice little pump up. It was cool to see. It was directed more just for me, but sure, you can you can get in on it if I you want. I liked how it was really addressed to me. Folks, if I may, I'd like to get on with the show and at the same time on with the Jungle Bell, Jungle Bell, Jungle Bell Rock. Jungle Bell's chime in Jungle Bell time. Jungle Bell? Jungle Bell. It's it's you're saying Jungle Bell. I'm saying Joe. Which by the way, we should pitch that to Weird Al. Jungle Bell Rock and it's all about <laughs> it living in the jungle at Christmas. Uh no, it's it's the holiday season. It's December first or whatever. Happy holidays to you. Second. Second. I got a tree last night. Uh, and just as I expected, it bumped my holiday spirit from a 0.0 to a 1.0. <laughs> and honestly, it was worth it. <laughs> I hung all the ornaments with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. And folks, it wasn't the only thing in my house that was well hung. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh no, we got the tree Ooh. up. It looks nice. The cat likes the tree. It's, it's cute. All right. Is the cat sort of playing and laying under the tree? Yeah, the cat likes to get under the tree. It makes it feel like it's outside. Okay. Because you don't let the cat usually out of a small closet in your house, right? You usually keep it. I keep it in a hutch, and when I poke it with a uh, barbecue poker. Folks, could I take you down to Pat's Movie Corner? Because uh, I've I, been deeply depressed. I got to point something out. And I've watched hundreds of things. I got to point something out. Go for it. Pat and I have had a few drinks today, as we always do. Yeah. Uh, before we do the show. Sorry, Giles. Yeah. Sorry, Giles. Uh, 
I'm tipsy enough that I almost just said to you, you got to get on with the Joe still. No, I just did Yeah, no, no, completely. Yeah, no, we had a full interaction about it. Completely forgot. <laughs> Actually, just didn't. <laughs> Jungle but, Bell Rock. Yeah, no, I remember. But I worry we're going to sound pretty fucked up on this one, but hey! it's fine. We went to the uh, drawing room, which closes at 2 a.m. and opens at 6 a.m. And Joe was telling me, within the month, he's been over there at the drawing room at 6 a.m. I was there one time in my life at 6 a.m. It was over the last month. And a lady screamed at me that I was the reason Trump got elected. Yeah. Which, uh, honestly, I agree with, but yeah, I don't know what I did. Yeah. <laughs> we doing Cam on this show? We talked about this also at the top. Now, you're also forgetting. We might do Cam, but I want to discuss this Lindy West uh, review of Love Actually. Okay. Where she takes just a wonderfully spirited film and reduces it to some sort of socio-political I was telling statement. Joe, and it's a very popular piece. It was on... Jezebel, I think, written by Lindy West. And it's called, I yeah, Jezebel. It, it was released five years ago, December 18th, 2013. I rewatched Love Actually and am here to ruin it for all of you. I got to tell you, folks, this piece, I watched Love Actually last night with my, my special lady. And I laughed throughout at this like running commentary. And did I agree with every point she made? No, but. I like hearing what people think of movies. It's like when Joe's mad at aliens. I'm like, well, Joe's wrong, but I can certainly enjoy what he says. She's not mad at this movie. She's mad at everything. This is Lindy West's entire career is, I'm going to take a thing that somebody else did and be mad at it. That's all she ever does. Remember the speech at the end of Planet of the Apes where Zaius is like, beware the beast man, for he is the harbinger of doom. It's I. That's the speech I hear whenever I hear Lindy West's name. She's just just wow. joyless. She's a joyless person. She she everything she does is. And sometimes she makes some good points. Sometimes she makes. I some, feel here in this Love Actually article, she makes some. Good sometimes points. she makes some very valid points about the gender roles in society and about rape culture and things of that nature. She's made some very very good points over the years, but a lot of the time, it's just her finding a thing to be mad at, and it's this bullshit 17-year-old angst. It's like, get over it, Lindy. Joe, that's what an article is. If you want to write an article, you got to take an extreme well, stance and call attention to yourself. I disagree. I think you can take a more balanced stance and have some But I don't want to read opinion. it. I wouldn't be reading the article five years later if it was some balanced stance. <laughs> I, think you can have, I think you can have a valid way to You want somebody opinion. to go, I love the story about the rock star and his manager. No, what I want somebody to do is say there are more important things to write about than love, actually. C create your own Christmas story, then, a, a fiction story that you think is worth people reading. Or do a commentary on something that's not a fucking stupid romantic comedy that has no effect on the world whatsoever. It's just stupid. It's a waste of time. I completely it's, disagree. It is, a, it is a Larry David, and I mean the character, level of of specificity it's a seinfeld plot level it, it's a costanza shit i don't like love actually <laughs> i completely disagree i thought it was very well written it's, it's, i laughed it's, throughout it's it's crazy it's costanza level like nuttiness it's i didn't crazy. agree with it you know throughout but i thought it was very well written and very funny because i i've opened my mind because i don't care now well, whatever. About if I live or die. If that was the one thing that she ever did like that, or one of the few things she ever did like that, I go, okay, fine. I don't know who she is. You, you've made oh, some decision about dude, this. Dude, her person. whole. It, I, listen, I've made a decision about her at all. She's made a decision for me. Everything she writes is, I'm mad at this because I find it offensive for this reason. And when it finally gets down to the level of love, actually. It's like, for Christ, it's like watching the Three Stooges and being like, this promotes violence. It's like, oh, really? This is the this is the fight? This is the fight we're going to I enjoy, pick? just for the same reason I like a debate team or whatever else, I like, somebody, team. I like somebody picking a side and arguing it to the fullest, and that is what this piece is. Joe has not finished the piece. I read most of it in the Uber on the way over here. It. It's very angry about it. Well, she also it. says things that aren't accurate. She goes... She goes, so Liam Neeson calls Emma Thompson, who I guess is just some woman he knows, and then in parentheses, she, she goes, relationship never explained, in all caps, like, no, 
it's his sister, and they do explain it, and that is a thing you know if you watch the movie without screaming at it over the details. She actually, at one point, says, too, she goes, no woman is allowed to speak in this film? It's like, what are you talking about? What the hell are you talking about? It's, it's, not just, it's just not true. It's just not a factual account of this film. And then she'll go, this would be her defense, right? Because this is every humorless person's defense of anything when they do like some dumb, specific thing over something this trivial. They go... And by the way, I know there are people out there now going, Joe, if her argument is so trivial, why are you getting so upset? Aren't you? Shut up. Shut the fuck up. My point is this. This would <laughs> it be. seems like a valid point. It's, it's, I'm, uh, I'm two steps ahead of you, and I already know the point. Here's the point. Is uh, her defense to this is what every humorless person does. They go, they go. It's a joke. And it's like, no, it's not a joke. I, when don't, you, I didn't read this as a joke at all. And I don't when you take either. a thing and you represent it incorrectly and then you act like it's a reason for people to be rageful do you like in a the, cultural sense. Do you sense? like the character who is secretly plotting to steal Kira Knightley away from her new husband? No, I don't like that character. All right, then I think you'll find points of agreement in this article. You're not going to agree with everything, but you don't have to. Uh Somebody somebody says one thing you don't agree with, you shut them down. I think it's crazy that she depicts the Colin Firth relationship as when a woman doesn't talk, she's more likable. Well, he's attracted to her based on nothing. That is true. It's not true. He's attracted to her. It, the, the point of that story is, is that love transcends all barriers. He falls in love with her even though they can't communicate. That's the point of the story. Now, if you want to be a fucking miserable person, asshole and just go oh it must be because she's mute it's like okay so then the piano is in a love but story Joe, she is just as you are doing with your stand-up she is supposed to be taking a point and running with it to a comedic fashion Listen, which she does beautifully throughout this entire i beg article. of you i beg of you if i ever put that amount of time if I ever put that amount of time... She's been paid and hired to write an if article I ever, about well, love and shame on jezebel for that if i if i ever take that amount of time to create and craft a piece on Love Actually, whether it's in stand-up or in writing, please shoot me. Please. This is the amount of attention the movie deserves. This, right here, right now. Off the cuff, off the top of the head, knee-jerk responses. I have a feeling a lot of you are going to enjoy this piece if you go look at okay, it Okay, go read it. Go read it. It's yeah, very fun. Because that's fun when somebody... Let's all, let's all boycott the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, Rankin and Bass stop motion animation classic because it promotes discrimination against a, re a red nosed reindeer. I mean, it's just fucking miserable, man. But, Joe, I watched Love Actually last night with my wife. We enjoyed the hell out of it. And I also enjoyed this person's critique of well, Love Pat, Actually. I've said it for years. You have no backbone, you play the game, you won't take sides in this. How am I playing a game? I, I enjoyed something twice. It's, it's, I'm, I'm joking, actually. So that was a joke. I mean, I've never seen you so hot. I just, this is all she does ever. Every fucking thing is like, I'm offended, and I have somehow derived sexism from this thing. And it's like, Jesus Christ. It's this, like, beautiful movie that depicts people falling in love. But I've seen a lot of people talk shit about love, actually, in recent years. And it's... But no, I'll tell you where you've seen a lot of people talk. On you've Twitter. Seen, you've seen about... 20 people talk shit about it, and they all live in Los Angeles because they are so fucking precise with their horse shit. They have nothing better to do but try to continually find a target to be angry at. And it has become so inane that they are now down to love actually as a fucking target. As a target. Love actually. A Hugh Grant movie. But this you, is what we need to be bitching about? You are. Dis this was five years ago. But you are disgusted by the guy who... Sets up a whole church, so they all play. All you need is love for her, right? So some of this, some of this article is no, her I'm not saying, disgusted by that guy. That's her husband that does that. No, no, no. It's her creepy friend. Who's no, her filming creepy the friend is thing. the guy that comes and and pulls out the cards. Yeah, but he door. sets that up. The friend, the the guy who she's marrying, is looking around like, "What's going on?" I watched this last night. I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm sorry. But I'm, she at a, a big part of this article is her saying like. Nobody noticed the six guys with trombones sitting next to them at the wedding ceremony. And that's unquestionably a funny commentary for watching the movie. They're in the balcony, by the way. No, they're down on the floor, no, too. No, they're also on the I balcony. Watched, 
but they're also on the floor. Maybe they did notice and they didn't say anything because they were like, this is a surprise. My point is, is what are you nitpicking here with this article? She's she's taking it to a comedic extreme. I thought you would just enjoy it. I, I, and I honestly don't understand the anger. She's not funny. She's angry. Well, now I do understand the anger because you know this person and have a specific issue with she her. She does I this have no idea who with, she is, and, again, and I thought the article was very funny. Again, fun. she's made some great points over the years when she's, when she's serious and focuses about, about cultural uh, 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 epidemics. But when you start to let it bleed into love, actually, and you start saying that this is somehow a representation of of discrimination in America, I think you're fucked. I'm sorry. I just think you're fucked. It's like watching Scrooge and being like, what an asshole, huh? I'm supposed to like this guy? It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm sorry there was a flawed character in a movie. Remember when that's what movies were? Remember when stories were about characters, just normal characters, and it was like, yeah, some of them are fucked up. That's the point of the story. And we didn't have villains uh, uh, being bleeding hearts and agreeing with one another. It's like, come on. It's just nuts. But it is from five years ago, and I, you know, whatever. <laughs> it drives me nuts. I'm sorry. I mean, folks, the article is very funny. I don't know what to tell you. All right. Go read it, guys, and tell me how funny it is when she, when she inaccurately describes many aspects of the film. There's a, yeah, there's a couple mistakes in it. There's literally a thing where she's like, I got to, who's the old guy, Bill Nighy? Yes. She's like, he's got to be sitting down while he records. I'm forced to think about the position of his nutsack. It's like, what the fuck are you? You literally just took a chair she's, and got offended at it. She's taking it to a comedic extreme. Um. Okay. Well, that's what she'll say, but I, I got news for you. She takes everything she says to that extreme and when you put it all in that same under that same umbrella, I don't think that that's. Uh, well, you, you've taken it to a whole nother thing. I, I don't know who this woman is. What have is. I taken it to? I don't know who this woman is. I thought we could have a nice discussion about an article. You've got some cross. You know we wouldn't. Woman. You said right before we started recording. I'm happy you want to talk about. You didn't this. finish. You're it. gonna get all worked up, you've and got, it's gonna make me happy. Some you said that before we started woman. recording. I laughed from start to finish at this insanely long article about love, actually, and I think she knows how funny it is. Okay, well, but like, uh, the, like the kid. If you had wrote it, uh. She says here, to be honest, Liam Neeson is acting the hell out of this movie. She she acknowledges positives and negatives, but it's like, like the son She says it's creepy thing. because his wife died six years after they made the you movie. You have to read the whole... I really wish you just read the whole article. I read about 70% of it. I don't know how much... If 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 there's some Shyamalan twist at the end of that thing, that in one last sentence... Who, who gonna... writes their novel on loose pages on a typewriter in an open-air shack next to a pond? Lots of people. That's kind of a funny observation. Lots of people. Sorry, miss. Lots of writers do that. Lots of writers talk frequently and publicly about how they still love the typewriter. That's very common. Go ahead. What else you got? No, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, Joe. Oh. You, ha you haven't taken the time to read it yourself. I read 70%. That's all you need to read. I, you, you didn't even get halfway done. It's way longer than you think. Well, then that's even more ridiculous. It's way longer than you think. It's more ridiculous. I'm a big fan of it. I'm all a big right. fan well, of it. Be a big fan of it, you know. Um... Folks, no one by the way, by the way, here. just just to let you know, Lindy West is exactly the type of critic that would watch your sitcom and say that it was offensive and and part of the problem. She's that is she that's who she is. That's fine. Oh God, it's not fine. It's stupid. If it was funny, I would I would read it and enjoy it. I don't give a shit about anyone's opinion about anything. All right. Well, you care about this. You want to marry? You want to go marry Lindy West? You want to go? You want to go on a? You want to go on a date with Lindy West? You love? I, I honestly didn't know who wrote the article until it's it snapped something in your brain. I for and guys, just so you know, I didn't know who wrote it either. I wrote I read two, the first two paragraphs and I go, "This is fucking abominable." Who wrote this? I scroll up and then I go, "Oh my god, Lindy West!" Of you're, course, you're gonna enjoy it. You're gonna read the article. And you're going to enjoy it. I read most of it. Sounds like Pat's got an old crusheroo. I don't know who she is. Well, you, you, it's possible to love someone without knowing them, as proven in love, actually, by the 
mute woman storyline. <laughs> Go read. Oh, man, we got some juice out of that. All right, we got some traction. We're good. I mean, just exhausting. It's not exhausting. You wanted this. You told me you wanted this before we started recording. You got it. You Folks, got your Christmas wish. I'm going to take you to Pat's movie corner. Last night I watched Beautiful Boy. I'm going to tell you this. this movie and then sucks. he watched a movie Folks. with Steve Carell. <laughs> Here's the thing. Steve Carell is a, is a brilliant comedic actor who got a, too much respect for being able to land brief dramatic moments in comedies. Mm-hmm. Brief dramatic moments. He would land them well. He made you care about him. And now he's doing these parts where he thinks he's fucking Sean Penn. And I'm going to say it. Steve Carell is miscast in Beautiful Boy, and he sucks in the film. He's got these scenes. Can I do a little thing here? Yeah. He thinks he's Sean Penn. Brother, I'm going to tell you, you ain't Chris Penn. That's correct. There you go. He's supposed to be playing like an everyman dad, and his son's addicted to drugs. The movie, for two hours, I assume plus, because it seemed like an eternity, is trying to put you in the shoes of somebody whose child is slowly killing themselves through drug abuse. Watched him with my wife. She's got a cousin who's having similar issues. I'm just kind of like, what are you? Are you trying to torture me? Like it, it was joyless. It was miserable. Timothy Chalamet was fine in it. Uh, you know who wrote the movie? No, Lindy West. That's not true. <laughs> it's not true. The movie relies on music to sell every emotional beat in it. So, like, at certain points, I almost got fooled. They're playing Stay Away by Nirvana at one point. You never hear Nirvana in movies. And the guy's, like, puking because he's overdosing on drugs. And it's like, gotta find a way, a better way, oh, way God. to live. And oh, I was like, no. shut the fuck up. Oh, no. I would have gotten it without this over-the-top, ham-fisted musical oh, cue. No. And there's also that terrible scene where he flushes his drugs down the toilet and it plays Michael Jackson's Beat It. <laughs> yes. Just beat it! The the movie uh, is lame. It's pulling the heartstrings in a way that never felt legitimate to me. Uh, Steve Carell, when he's yelling at his son, like, you gotta get yourself together. I didn't buy it. I laughed at a few points. Uh it's, it's Pat's a, always thought that Deep Addiction was funny. I, I never agreed with him It's on a that. movie of the week, and they tried to put some stars in it and kind of fool you that it's not, but it's not well done. It's not interesting. And the reliance on music to sell everything. You know, they're driving along. The, the son and the father kind of patch it up for five seconds, and we hear the entirety of Heart of Gold by Neil Young. Oh, God. It's like, no, just let me make my own decisions about the, the only movie. Worst, the only worst choice would be, uh, and the cat's in the cradle yeah, in exactly. the silver spoon. There's uh, 900 music cues in this movie, and every one you're like, could that have been more obvious? It's like Suicide Squad. What drug is he addicted to, by the way? He starts with weed. He winds up being heavy into crystal meth. Then at one point he does heroin and, like, fucks his girlfriend. Am I mistaken that you do heroin, you and the gal, and you're not fucking? Can you fuck on heroin? Now I used to fuck my dealer, so I don't. It's a sure, tough. It's a sure. tough. We'd we'd get all hot in the vein. We called it. Well, oh yeah, they well they do heroin. And they get in the shower with their clothes on. That's how crazy they are. Oh god, it's so like Jewel used to sing. You took your you took your coat off and, and that, stood in the that rain. Scene, it plays blame it on the rain, does it not? Yes, it does. Ugh, this is terrible. This they is get terrible. in the shower with their clothes on and start making out, and then they fuck. And I was like. Two people who just shut up with heroin are not fucking. I'm sorry. Well, I, I honestly, maybe somebody can correct me, but I've never done heroin. Uh, I don't know. I maybe. feel like your dick's not hard. Well, I mean, ecstasy used to have heroin in it, and it would make you all horned up. So maybe heroin makes you. Horny. I fucked on ecstasy. You can't come. It takes 45 minutes, but still, I'd like to put that to a test right now, Pat. I've got some ecstasy over in the drawer over Do there, you? and uh, let's uh, let's let's see how long it takes us. I'd be happy to. I I can fuck forever <laughs> on ecstasy. I just can't come. I've probably revealed too much. <laughs> I've probably revealed too Which much. Which is why I said I wanted to chat with you. <laughs> uh, Pat, I Anyway, watched... Beautiful Boy. Can't recommend it. Sorry. I wa- The title is just terrible. Beautiful Joe, Boy. Joe, do you know what song they play in it? Beautiful, 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 beautiful boy. And all these people who act like John Lennon is this edgy fucking genius and Paul McCartney is the sappy one. Listen to fucking Beautiful Boy. 
And as the great Elvis Costello once sang, and I saw him in concert this weekend, it was fucking incredible. He played for three hours, and he just beat cancer. He sang, wasn't it a millionaire yeah. who sang Imagine No Possessions? Yeah. Beautiful fucking line. John Lennon. Beautiful is, line, pointing out the hypocrisy of John Lennon. John Lennon. I love the Beatles. I love John Lennon. But beautiful boy. Also, they used it better in Mr. Holland's opus. I don't Because like, it was one song. It wasn't a song where there's a song every five seconds. I don't like the Beatles, as you know. Yeah. But I am a Paul McCartney fan. I sure. like a lot of Paul McCartney stuff. He's great. Uh, John Lennon is one of the biggest fraud hacks of all time. I, I'm so tired of people talking about what I a can't fuck. go with you there. I just hate everyone oh, calling stinks. McCartney sappy. No, and John stinks. Lennon like Kurt Cobain of his day. Every Lennon Listen to solo, Beautiful Boy. Listen to Lennon's entire solo catalog. It fucking stinks. Like, so this like is Christmas. The, that judgy shit I and don't And what like. have you done? What have you done, John? <laughs> But he's got some good songs. Mother, Cold Give Turkey. Give Peace a Chance. Cold Turkey is great. The studio version of Cold Turkey is great, which he has made unavailable on any of his releases. He hasn't done it. He's dead. He, he, he doesn't have any sense of anything. He goes... Hey, John, can we get a studio version of Cold Turkey? No, going to give the other side to Ono. Look, <laughs> I'm a Yoko guy. Oh, my God. He sucks. I went to the premiere of Lennon, the Broadway musical about John Lennon. There were so few people there. I bought a student ticket for a preview, which was always a $20 ticket. And I was like, yeah, I'll see a musical about the life of John Lennon. I have no friends in New York. And you know who I sat next to? This is how few tickets were Yoko sold. Yoko Ono. I sat next to Yoko Ono. <laughs> Shut up! I was joking. I'm looking at my ticket and I'm like, please, God, tell me I'm not sitting next to Yoko Ono for the life of John Lennon musical. And it said, it said you paid the extra five bucks. You yeah. get to sit next to Yoko Ono. I got a $20 like, like free ticket. I'd rather... I wind up next to the, the, the widow. I'd rather see a musical about Pete Best yeah. than a musical about John Lennon. It wasn't great. Oh, God. It wasn't great. Uh, uh, love. Joe, I've done one of three. You've done none. Take it away. What have you Why seen? Why are you coming at me today? What have you seen? Why? I've seen a lot. Then take it you away. Don't wanna, you don't want to know the sights. Take them away, toys. What have you seen? I watched because I didn't believe you how bad it was. I watched the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and holy Christ almighty. A lot of love for it on the this uh, fucking, We'll See You in Hell page. I, I, I don't even understand. This thing is terrible. It is terrible. It is terrible. I thought it had it had decent segments and bad segments, but uh, yeah, not by by and large, and I rewatched Intolerable Cruel Cruelty this week, I think it's maybe one of the Coen's very worst. Um. Because I liked Intolerable Cruelty. The hands-down best story is the Tom Waits story. And it comes four stories into this thing. Yes. And that is four stories too late. And when I tell you that it is the best story, I don't mean like, oh, my God, did that Tom Waits one really rock me? I mean... Tom Waits one was good. That was the first one where I was like, this is the only one that has any, as far as I can see, point or anything yeah. I give a shit about... But it was still, if it was in a, it, if it was in an anthology, and I love Tom Waits, I'm a huge fan. If it was in an anthology of better written stories, that would have been one of my the ones that I thought was kind of boring. Like this thing makes, in my opinion, has no point, makes no sense. It's the it's the Coen Brothers reaching into their grab bag of goodies and just kind of doing a bunch of shit. Well, I think most tellingly, it was supposed to be a weekly half-hour series. I mean, could you, could you imagine anything worse? No. Thank God they truncated this thing into a fucking two-and-a-half-hour movie. Could you imagine sitting through this for a half-hour every no. week? You know, so this first one with, what's his name? Uh, Tim Rutherford. What the fuck's the guy's name? No. Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake Nelson. It starts charming and interesting... And you kind of think like, okay, Tim Blake Nelson is going to sort of be the narrator or the sort of, you know, the storyteller of this journey, which would have made sense. Sure. And instead, it's not. It's just he's the guy named Buster Scruggs. They do this kind of funny joke where it's like he's a singing cowboy, but he kills people. And that, then that the segment as a quick little like a sketch funny 
I mean, I didn't laugh out loud, but it worked for me. It would like seeing Dave. Listen, Krumholtz. it was it. I love seeing Crumholes. It was. Fun. I love seeing fucking Tim uh, Alan Greer. Tim Blake Nelson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was. It was a. It was a funny sequence. It, it, it fun, kind of funny. I wasn't. I wasn't dying. But Not it, lol. But uh, but it was funny. Um, but even like when he gets killed, I was kind of like. Oh, is this going to be now that he becomes like the sort of ghostly narrator of the West or whatever? Right. And they just do this dumb thing where he floats away singing, like the the it's, weasels in Roger Rabbit. Yeah, it's just not playing a harp. It's just like I get it. I don't think it's that interesting. I don't think it. The second story with James Franco starts really interesting. Franco sucks in that movie. He does suck in it. And then Stephen Root. Kills it, but he's being hammy. It's literally just this thing of like he almost got hung once, and then he got away, and then he gets hung again, and that time he doesn't get away, and it's like, what? What? What is this? Like, what? What is the point? It's okay. Create some stakes. Create a story about a man that has narrowly and arrogantly escaped death so many times, and then it comes and bites him in the ass, or create a story about. A man that shouldn't have been hung once and then the second time was unfairly hung again and you say, oh, the tragedy. Instead, it's a guy that should have been hung because he was robbing the bank and that's what they did back then. And he gets away by the skin of his teeth and then he gets hung again. Yep. And that's it. The third story, Jesus fucking Christ, that Liam Neeson story, I'm like, this... Am I supposed to be as bored as the people watching this limbless poet? I thought you might like that one because I believe it was a commentary on the entertainment industry and how a flash in the pan it can be. But it, yeah, it was 20 minutes too long. But it wasn't. But here's the thing. It wasn't a commentary on the entertainment industry, in my opinion. That's how I took it. Because the commentary to me would have been if this limbless kid was happy and doing great Right. And then all of a sudden it tapered off and Liam Neeson dropped him. That's not what it was. It was show after show of people being bored by this kid. Yeah. And the, the, the terrible, sad tragedy of this kid relying on Liam Neeson. Those scenes are so sad where he's got to feed him and stuff. Sure. And then he just drops him by killing him, by murdering him, and goes out with a chicken. And then that's the end. There isn't even the moment of like Liam Neeson being like, what have I done? Yeah. What did I do? Yeah. It it's just terrible. The Tom Waits story is the fourth story. There's finally some works. point of plot here or whatever. But as I said, it was too little, too late at that point. I I, I was just kind of done. Um, I don't know why it's called the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. That doesn't seem to have any sort of through line. My least favorite. I I learned uh, most people is their favorite, which is the. 45-minute segment with Zoe Kazan where nothing happens, really. Right. She falls in love with that guy. Did I mean, you like th that one? You didn't make it that far. I think I turned it off halfway through that one. I just was... It was at a point where I was like, there's two stories left. The they're last not, one is the most slow. They're not I get that they're up. going to heaven. I get it, everybody. I just thought it was boring and not well done. Well, also, but that's like such a hackneyed premise. I'm sorry, yeah. that's a hackneyed premise. Like, we're on a stagecoach going to heaven. It's like, that's been done a million times on the Twilight Zone and all these other shows and whatever. It's just not interesting. It's, sure. it's, it's boring. It's, come on, man. Like, the twist is they're going to heaven. Who cares? So I, I just, I, my least favorite episodes of the Twilight Zone are the ones where, and it's my favorite show of all time, but it's the ones where there's like some sort of like caravan on foot in uh -huh. the old west and like a woman that doesn't understand why she's there is talking to Abe Lincoln magically. Sure. And then she realized she's died and they're all walking to heaven. And yeah, I mean, it's like the it's like the fourth story in um, uh, Tales from the Hood, too, where they just bring back all the iconic civil rights people. And it's like this it's just this story about a guy like transcending to heaven it's boring i'm sorry it's just not a fun thing to watch i agree i will do a good one before this is over but another one i did not like folks was crazy rich asians which was sent to me <laughs> as for my consideration for academy award uh, i've got a copy i haven't watched it yet folks movie was a huge hit 
I'm happy the Asian people are having their day in the sun. This movie sucks. <laughs> it's bad by romantic comedy <laughs> standards. Well, uh, get Lindy West to write an article about it. They have Ken Jeong make like tiny appearances in it, and he's hamming it up, but you can tell he's doing it because he's like, somebody's got to bring some fucking life to this shit. And he provides the life. Um, the jokes, I mean, they're walking into the wedding, and they, there's a, a, a guy wacky sidekick and a girl wacky sidekick who was Aquafina. The guy wacky sidekick was on Two Broke Girls. I don't know what his name is, but he was on it once. They're walking into the wedding, and she goes, I heard that girl is a porn star. And he goes, oh, yes, an Asian porn star. I heard uh, her first film was called Two Girls, One Cup of Noodles. Listen, listen, I, mean that, I need you to listen to me for a second. But did you hear me? I need you to listen to me that's for a, a second. That's the key joke of the movie. I need you to listen to me for a second. I don't want to throw this mic at your face, but I will. That's one of the key just jokes for, of the film. Just for putting that joke in my head, I'll throw this mic at your face. Somebody's got to pay. I had to stand up and pace knowing this movie <laughs> made $300 million. I was like, I have to get up and pace my apartment, my home. I have a house. Uh, I, I was traumatized by some of the jokes in this movie. It's bad. The story is boring. I, I wasn't that interested in there. There wasn't really enough culturally. It's like they just leaned into the tiger mom stereotype. There was no new information culturally. Like my big fat Greek wedding is not an amazing movie either, but you feel like you learn a lot about Greek culture. I wouldn't say a lot. You learn some. You learn that they go way <laughs> You learn that's some. your main takeaway from this. That was film. just like Asian moms are a bitch was like the takeaway. I, I didn't. I don't know. It bothered me, and. I'm going to bring up something very sensitive. Oh, boy. But please know that I'm coming from a place of how did they miss this? The emotional climax of the movie, for five minutes, they play a Chinese cover of Coldplay's song, Yellow. And I, for the life of me, don't know if this was some sort of taking back the word yellow which is a Asian American slur. Right. Why would the film Crazy Rich Asians play the song Yellow over its emotional climax? Well, maybe they weren't thinking of it that way. How? How? <laughs> How? <laughs> Yellow was a hit 15 years ago. It's not in the in the cultural and it also doesn't apply to it. Yellow is kind of a sad song. It's playing over the end of this movie, and I'm like, no one has thought about how uncomfortable this is? I, 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 I got you. There's a Zappa song called Keep It Greasy, and it's if you're doing an Italian movie, the emotional comedy, you don't want to play Keep It Greasy over it. It's, it's going to be distracting. Sure. All right. Yeah, I hear you. Are we, I mean, Yellow, like that song was a hit in 2003. Sure. Like, why would you pick it? I, just, I I couldn't wrap my head around it. It's still a hit in all of our hearts. I've always loved the song. I don't even like Coldplay. It's a beautiful song. But that's remember that that's back when you thought Coldplay was gonna be like a good like indie band. Yeah, their first band I liked. Like, yeah, I was like, God, oh, like Snow Patrol, like yeah. a decent Oh, they suck. Yeah, they anyway, suck. Sorry. Anyway, I I can't recommend it. Like, you know, it had a lot of like great costumes and shit. But at the end of the day, it's Costumes. not a good movie. I'm, I'm looking for positives. Right. But it's not a great movie. I watched The Kaminsky Method on Netflix, the new Michael Douglas, Alan Arkin I saw Arkin the first two, program. yes. Um, you know, look, folks, it's, it's, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's, it was written and directed by, uh, what's his face? from Chuck Lorre. Yeah, Chuck Lorre. I've um, heard one of the only men worse than my former boss, Michael Patrick King, one of the only worst bosses. Really? Supposed to be a screamer, a... a well, that's one, a shame. One of the absolute worst people. My buddy got a job on Mom, and they pulled him into a side room and were like, you got the job, but now here's the truth. And for 10 minutes, they were like, here's what you're going to have to put up with if you take it. And at the end of the conversation, he didn't take the job. Guaranteed money in the bank. He was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Wow. All right. Legendary well, monster. Well, fuck, man. Then I hate to give any credit to the show, but, uh, you know, look, it's it's look, it's not, as I said, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's not breaking much new ground, 
but I did enjoy it. I like anything that revolves around older characters, which is why I like your show, Pat. Yes, thank you. It's why I love the Golden Girls. It's why, uh, you know, I, I, I love uh, grumpy old men. Sure. I, I just like stuff like that. So uh, I enjoy there being a show out there about an aging uh, actor slash acting teacher whose best friend is his agent, uh, who's also an aging man, uh, played by Alan Arkin. Love Alan Arkin. Uh, and they're going through the, the the sort of trials and tribulations of of, of sort of reaching the end of the September of their years, so to speak. Um, December. Sep- well, September is the... September, you'd be like 45. No, I think that's like when you're in your 60s. That's the right. Sinatra record. September of my years. All right. December is like 90. Um, anyway, it's got some very cute, funny moments in it. It's it's an enjoyable show to watch. I do like that it shows uh, respect to the notions and perspectives of the younger generation, but it also isn't so precious that it doesn't also make jokes about it and stuff. It's a good generational depiction of 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 you know sort of the older folks and the younger folks without it being like one's right and one's wrong and the, you know it's it's very balanced so it's it's an enjoyable watch it's an enjoyable watch you know i watched two maybe three i found it to be solidly written never laugh out loud funny kind of dull but well acted and i didn't hate it yeah basically I laughed out loud when Alan Arkin went, when I pee, it's like Morris Code. You know, he's got, Arkin's got some good lines. I like that they made fun of, you know, um, uh, my buddy Bill Burr and I were talking about how, like, you know a great restaurant in L.A. by career waiters. Uh Uh-huh. Moose on Frank's. Moose on Frank. You go to Dantana's. It's like you'll get a guy who's like 68. Yeah. And you're like, this guy's a career waiter. Like, this is like a real deal spot. I liked that they made fun of that where they're at Moose and Frank's and the waiter's like 89. Right. Waddling to the table to drink and he finally gets there and Alan Arkin goes, congratulations. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, you know, it was, they made fun. It was some inside jokes, but uh, I enjoyed it. I'll probably eventually finish the season, but it, it's not, it's not something I was blown away by. I, I feel like we've been very negative this episode, and I want to turn it around with one of my favorite movies of the year, even though it may have come out last year. A documentary called Dina. It is available on Hulu. Is it about Dean Martin's daughter? No. Oh, right. This movie... Dean charmed... Martin, you know. I do. Yeah. It charmed the fuck out of me. I loved it. It is a movie about a severely autistic 45-year-old woman... Uh, and she's about to marry a severely autistic in a very different way, like 40-year-old guy. And she's been through a lot of trauma. Her last, her ex-boyfriend stabbed her. There are big twists and secrets in this movie. I saw it be, it was, it was well-reviewed, but it was a little controversial because it feels like just being a fly on the wall in this relationship with these two severely autistic people. And they were like, well, you're taking advantage of them. Truth is, you don't know what went on. You don't know how this happened. Granted, if you're having that much access to an autistic couple, there's probably a bit of exploitation there. But I learned so much about this illness and about these people and about where my own issues abut with these issues because I have OCD and I would assume some sort of mild autism nothing like these people have but i related to it a lot more than i expected to and i thought it was just a beautiful love story it's a documentary she tries to talk to him about like she buys him the joy of sex she can't get him to sleep with her he's either a virgin or they've just never had sex right and he just can't calm down enough to do it there's a scene where he goes and talks to his dad who was like burt young and he's asking his dad, like, I don't know how to do it, and I'm scared of it. And his dad's like, you're going to be great. He's like, don't worry about it. Once, oh, you, that's sweet. once you get there, you're going to – I know you think you can't do it, but once you get down to it, you're going to be able to do it. I guarantee it. Oh, that's sweet. And the mom comes in and is like, you know, all my friends always ask me, you know, 
How's he doing? Because he's so handsome. They all say how handsome. Oh, you're. that's sweet. This sounds very touching. You see how it? He's not. They're not severely handicapped, but they have really serious issues. And you see how his parents kind of give him his strength, his self-esteem, and her mom is a severely uh, plastic surgeried bitch. Frankly, disaster as the dead Kennedys once said. Yeah, she like they go to get the get a mani pedi, and the daughter who is again highly autistic is talking a lot, and the mom's like, "Oh, will she shut the fuck up? Will she shut the fuck up?" And much like Three Identical Strangers, which is another great documentary, it's a great story amongst everything else that it is about how good or bad parents can really fuck you up. Or sure. make you make your life much better. Yeah, man, I saw that in a department store last Christmas. Yeah, this woman had a uh, had a mentally handicapped daughter, and yeah. who was who was an adult at this point. She was probably thirty, and the woman, the mom, was like this sort of plastic surgery dolled up, whatever, and was just being and the and the and the the daughter kept talking to me and my mom and being like, "How? What are you doing here?" And like, "What are you?" Yeah, and it was very sweet, and the mom just like ignored us wouldn't talk to us and then was like yelling at the daughter to come it was really gross man nobody is saying you know raising a child like this is not a difficult thing but it's like this far in where your daughter's like 45 and the mom's still being a bitch to her the dad's not even around so clearly like he's like i don't want to be seen on camera having this girl as my daughter so even though it is about dina who is the woman and she is a very difficult partner clearly she talks a lot about all the guys she used to fuck and how they used to fuck to this guy <laughs> who is having big issues right, well that doesn't help yeah but she doesn't know that what she's doing is right, wrong. yeah yeah, yeah sure i was so fascinated by everything about it and i couldn't recommend it enough i i was uh, a a baby crying by the end of it i just think it's a beautiful movie and it's structured a lot like a romantic comedy but it's a documentary, so I, I recommend it very much. If you have Hulu, it should be the next thing you watch. All right. Now, Pat, I'm gonna I'm gonna propose we do something unprecedented here on We'll See You in Hell. Yes, we're at 51 minutes. Yeah, haven't even started on the movie. Haven't even started on the movie. I say we cut it here, cliffhanger style. Uh huh. Well, then what have we reviewed? Love Actually. Look, the the audience knows our stance on Love Actually. I think it's a fucking wonderful film. I like it too, but I urge you to read this article about it because I think it's a great side history about the movie. Well, I'd like to know what. The and fans I have issues think. like the the friend who the friend the the guy who basically hijacks should we tell Eddie Afor's wife Kira Knightley. That's a fucked up story. He and doesn't hijack her. He goes to her and says, I know how you thought I hated you because I never talked to you. It's not that. It's a fucked up story. It's, I'm not saying it's not weird. Hold yeah. on. But he goes to her and it's his way of saying, I know you think I don't like you, but I, I'm actually, I, th- I think you're wonderful and I would never interfere with this and I couldn't figure out how to just be normal around you it's there's a beautiful side to it there's also a, a dark side to it that's what life is i'm doing the flashcards. you like that part well look a lot of people have parodied that flashcard scene and to me the whole movie is about rickman and thompson that's a beautifully told story alan but- rickman and thompson that's the one where i kind of agreed with lindy that he's kind of a prick of course he's a prick. I thought it was a beautifully written story. It is. It I'm is just a be- saying, I I enjoy, like, when people are talking shit about a movie I love, and it took me a long time. It used to anger me, but now I'm like, I've enjoyed hearing this opinion. The most beautiful story is the Bill Nighy with his manager, and he always makes fun of his manager for being fat and stuff. Right. And then he goes to his manager on Christmas Eve and says... I know, buddy, that I always make comments about you. You're the guy. You're the one I want to be with. You're my best friend in the world. I love you. Yeah, uh, that, that makes me cry. There are fantastic parts in Love Actually. There are embarrassing parts in Love Actually. It's a it's a delightful movie, but I also think this article is very 
funny and interesting. Well, Pat, I find you delightful. Thank you. I also think Agreed. that you're moronic and stupid. Agreed as well. So it's, you know, it's there's a duality to all of us. That's And that's the point of love, actually. There's a complicated side to all of us it's not just it's not just black and white it's so if we're doing love actually do you have a screaming and news psycho do you have a joe scary stuff about love actually about anything no i'll save it for the next episode we're talking love actually we're going to close it out next we gave the people what they came for we did this was 55 solid minutes of screaming true <laughs> it's true uh love actually i give it a big hogs up I give Love Actually a hogs up, too, but I'm open to interpretations because I think big chunks of it are stupid. But it's undeniably entertaining. I think entertaining. big chunks of you are stupid. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I think it's undeniably entertaining. But I also recommend you read this article. We know. You keep saying it over and over. They'll read the goddamn Lindy West article, all right? I don't know what this Lindy West did to you, Joe. She didn't do anything to me. Nothing, but it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like listening to a Trump speech and going, is this accurate? And you go, no, it's idiotic. It's too much. It's stupid. All right. That's my point. Anyway, this is one of the most divisive movies of our lifetime. I don't understand what everybody's so goddamn mad about. It's a movie that really pisses people off and also that people love. He puts Hugh Grant beautifully puts Billy Bob Thornton in his place when Billy Bob Thornton is portraying like the sort of Clinton Bush, I know people hybrid. don't love how much material there is about how fat this girl is, who is at best two pounds overweight. They talk a lot about how fat that girl who is. Who does? It's her her father. It's discussed throughout the whole movie. And I, but I don't think the here's my thing. I don't think the point of that is you to watch it and go, she is fat. I think the point of it is it's for you weird, to go, though. no, she's wonderful and beautiful, and these people are being unfit. Hold on. And the, Hold on. Yes. It's a Cinderella. It's literally Cinderella. Everybody is needlessly mean and critical of her, and then she gets to be with the greatest prince guy. She gets the prime minister, and he's like, no, you're wonderful. I love you. What are you talking about? Why can't people look at it that way? People don't like the jokes about... Uh, so the girl Colin Firth likes, who doesn't speak English, the dad thinks she, she, they want her ugly, fat sister. There's a lot of jokes about her ugly, fat sister and how impossible it would be for her to get married. There, there's a lot in the movie that's a little odd in today's world. Fine. And again, I'll say this. This, was, this article was written five years ago. Again, I'll say this. Uh, I don't think you're supposed to be cheering and hooting for the dad. <laughs> I think you're supposed to be like, this poor girl comes from this awful family. Sure. Uh, and, and she found love. Like, it's a beautiful thing. She found some. Why? Here's my point. Nobody ever looks at it like this. Oh, here's a story about a woman who's got a horrible man in her life who mm -hmm. doesn't appreciate her and treats her terribly, and then she meets a wonderful man that says, no, this is everything you deserve, and I do appreciate you. Look well, at it that way. All I'm saying, Joe, is that's a boring article. Well, you know what, Pat? And, and, and stand-up is go right for the, choosing a POV Then and, go and right for the National Enquirer. She's not a stand-up. Don't you fucking dare. <laughs> Don't you dare. I don't know who she She's is. She's not a. I'll call but, her a TV writer if you call her stand up. Don't you if fucking dare. If you're an dare. article writer or a stand up or whatever else, you're choosing a point of view and arguing it to the death. No, no, no. no. That's what she's doing. An article writer or a stand up or whatever? No. She's arguing that it's a bad movie. We're different. And she argued it types very well. Of writers. I, Joe. She's not a TV writer. She's not a stand up. Okay. She writes blogs. Okay. How do you know who she is? Big difference because she's a famous blogger. I can't okay. believe you don't know who she is. Never heard the name. The man? I want to give a quick shout-out to, to Mick Mack on We'll See You in Hell because if we're going to shout-out somebody who sucks, I want to shout-out somebody great. He said, last night, got to give a big shout-out to my brother of another color, Patrick Walsh, after ordering a third round of Moscow Mules for the lads. Mick Mack might be British. I don't know. I used one of my favorite Pat Walsh lines from the pod on a lovely lady tending bar. He ordered the round, and he said, that's the kind of life I'm living, baby. 
The world is my oyster, comedic pause, and I'll have a baker's dozen. <laughs> Folks, she laughed. We bantered all night, got the number, and we sexted till the sun came up. Yes, folks, sexted. I expected to get laid, but she's 26, and apparently this is what passes for intimacy amongst younger millennials. This story took a turn. Any, yeah, look. <laughs> but a line that certainly never got me anything. I'm glad it helped you out, Mac. I assume that's not your real name. And Pat, I'm glad you took a moment at the end of this thing to pat yourself on the back. No pun intended. I get so few opportunities to do so. We'll be back... Next week with, with Cam. We are talking about Cam on Netflix. We are talking about Hold the Dark on Netflix. We are talking about the now, Texas not... Chainsaw Massacre. The next... These are all coming up, folks. All right, all right. I'm, the not, next... I'm not giving you a dead schedule. Hold the Dark might not happen, but the next, I the think next it'll happen. three will probably be Texas Chainsaw. Texas Chains. If you get to watch it on Re-Annies. the Shutter, Joe Bob Briggs, do it. Also, Reanimator. If you get a chance to watch it on the Joe Bob Briggs Shutter, do it. Cam is definitely next week, though. My highest of recommendations for anyone with an interest in horror is to watch these two Joe Bob Briggs marathons because they're an absolute blast. I'm almost done with them both. Uh, we'll be back. We're sorry this one was so heated and all over the place. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you soon. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at the Patrick Walsh. Joe cool kids. Returns with new episodes this Friday night. Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram. I'll be headlining Gotham Comedy Club this uh, January 5th, 6th, and 7th. January 5th is my birthday. Wouldn't hate it again. Folks, we'll see you next time. We'll see you in hell.